Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, Thursday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. Love to get your input on anything that we talk about uh, on the program. You help me think. Hopefully, I give you some topics that make you think this is your show. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. Baseball is back. They hope to get it done. I hope they get it done. Man, I hope they get it done. Man, do I hope they get it done. Love to get those Rhino Shield mic drops and the Air Comfort Service text line is open 65780. Um, already have one of the mic drops, uh, 636. Sorry, Dan, but you're wrong about this. Nobody wants to hear athletes try to be politicians. People are sick of it. If they're not talking about respective sports, then nobody cares. I think you missed my point. wasn't trying to say that I want to see them talk about um governmental issues or politics and if they want to talk about that that's fine it's a free country what i was trying to say is i'd like to hear just baseball people uh get the same airtime that football and basketball and this includes hockey i'd like to hear hockey people too that's all i'm saying and i don't want to hear the stick to sports stuff stop i want to get their perspective you know why because they have a platform and it's important and maybe it resonates with a young kid that's why it's important whether you like it or not, that's why it resonates. It's important to get their perspective. You may not like their perspective, but they have a perspective. They have an opinion. That's why we live in a free society. It's okay. You may not like it. I may not like it. It doesn't matter. They have an opinion. That stuff that says stick to sports, get it out of here. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So, John Mosellock yesterday on a Zoom call introducing uh, another signee. And also, now it's official that um, we know that uh, baseball is back. How about 100-plus pages of safety and protocols? Can it be done? How about that, John Mosellock? Yeah, I, again, I... I, I... I think it's going to come down to like how serious players take it when they're not here, right? Again, like you know, if you if you find yourself at an outdoor event and putting yourself at risk, remember you're you're not only putting yourself at risk, you're putting your teammates at risk. So that's that's going to be what the the, the big hurdle will be. Um, I to, to sort of Ben's point, I think we can control the environment here. I really do. I think the Having access to these these tests, um, they're pretty quick turnaround on getting answers. So I think that part's manageable. Where I think it's going to be tricky is what happens when we're outside of here. And you know, one thing I can't predict is is like how do we all act when we're, we're traveling? Um, for for all the people that sit on this 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 call that actually go to road games, there's a certain ebb and flow of what that looks like, and that's going to have to change. And I'm not saying you can't leave your room but you know you're gonna have to leave your room smart that's the key with this whole thing they can control what happens at the ballpark so they'll be tested you'll have the temperature test uh game ends you go back to the hotel and stay in your room essentially that's what they're asking the players to do room service bring it in the problem is you can't control the virus who's bringing your food the bus driver those kind of things um and then I think the big question is, once it does hit a team, and you will have positive tests, how big does the virus get in on the team? So you try to have one or two players get it, take them out, quarantine them, bring a couple players in, 
have the two negative tests. That'll be part of it. Um, and then put those players back in. If you have mass, massive positive tests, that's the problem for Major League Baseball. In terms of what happens on the field, Mike Shield, he plays a huge role in this. Now, a manager always plays a big role in a baseball season. But when you have a race to uh, 60 games and a race to the finish, uh, time is of the essence. It's 60 games. So a starter has a bad night. Uh, that leash, it's it's short. Um, you think about uh, an outfielder that uh, kind of has a short rope in terms of getting off to a good start. Well, he doesn't have a chance to play a lot. How about Mike Schild and his role starting this season? Um, I think that's a great observation and a great point and one that um, we actually have thought about because it is different. And, and so understanding like how to, to manage halves is exactly how you should think about this 60. And, um, you know, he's, he's someone that certainly has the, the, the DNA of always having his team ready and prepared. And, and so I do think that's a benefit or an advantage as we move forward. Tactician-wise, Mike Shield, excellent. Did it in the minor leagues. The other thing that he's got, and I've talked about it a lot, relationships. There's going to be uncomfortable conversations that you have with players. Guys that expect to play. Guys that expect to be in that lineup every day. If you're off to a slow start, you got to pull that player aside and say, look, you're off to a slow start. We're 15 games in. Uh, you're not up to expectations. This is not a normal season. 162, you'd be in there. But right now, we can't afford it. We're falling behind. You got to sit. I got to go with a hot hand. This guy's showing something that we, you know, we expect him uh, to be at this level. We expect you to be at this level. You're not. He plays. You don't. Sorry. That's just the way it goes. Now, from John's seat, John Mosaloc's seat, and this is where it gets interesting if you're a baseball fan. This is where it gets fun, I think. Not only the 60 games, and I'm going to take it as a positive. I'm going to stop being pessimistic about all the economic stuff, but you bring economics into the game of a 60-game season. We don't know what the future looks like. So some teams, they could get off to a terrible start, and then they don't know about what their future looks like because there's no fans in the stands. Maybe they're on a little shaky ground financially, and they say, look, this season, oh man, doesn't look good. And we got player X, Y, and Z, and they're making a lot of money. Yeah, the heck with it. Let's dump salary. And those teams over there, they look pretty good looking ahead. We probably could maybe entice them to take these contracts because, you know, they're playing well this year. They're looking at this as being a championship year. They're treating it as a championship year. And looking forward, they got some contracts coming off the books. They could take on these deals. What do we do? How about John Mosaloc? I suspect there there could be, you know, there's going to be a competitive reason why people get moved, and there could be a financial component of why people are getting moved. Um, having only 30 days of financial relief isn't quite as beneficial as, as maybe when you're trying to do something in, in late June, excuse me, early July, but... But that's uh, it's something that I haven't really thought much about. I mean, I read the you know August 31st deadline last night, and I was I made note of it, but I didn't really think about it. I think it's going to be fun. If you're a baseball fan, that's what we talk about, right? We're in talk radio. We're fans of the game. You say, hey, trade this guy. Go get him. If you're the Dodgers, maybe, and you put so much into the season with one year of Mookie Betts, or you're the Reds, you got one year with Trevor Bauer, you say, man, we got to go for it. We owe it to our fan base. We owe it to ourselves. We put a lot 
a lot into this season. George Springer, by the way, with the Astros. He's coming up. Or, hey, we're playing terribly. And we went after this guy for one year. We just, you know, let's get something for him. Get rid of him. You know, we got to get something out of this. It's an outlier of a season. We got to get something out of it. I think that's going to be fascinating this year. Makes it fun. So take a positive look at the season. That's something you have to do. Now, we do know it's going to be funky in terms of some of the rules of the game. Buster Olney of ESPN. Definitely the extra inning rule. We're going to have a runner at second base uh, in the 10th inning. In recent years, there's been a trend in front offices, the way they think. They can't stand the long extra inning games. So think of what we're going to see in the 60-game season as a trial for baseball moving forward in an effort to truncate the number of innings they play. The universal DH in the National League. You think of a guy like Justin Turner of the Dodgers. Ioannis Cespedes of the Mets. It's going to give them an opportunity to, to play every day, maybe play through some nagging injuries. And the schedule is very interesting because there's so many games that are going to be against division rivals and, of course, the corresponding uh, division in the other league. I'm saying Matt Carpenter of the Cardinals. Tommy Edmond plays third base for me. Matt Carpenter gets the first crack at the DH. If you need Taze off, then Carpenter could move to first potentially. Goldschmidt could be your DH. If DeYoung needs time uh, to maybe get off his feet, he's your DH. You could put Edmond at short. Interchangeable parts with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, O'Neal, does he get a crack at DH? Dylan Carlson. Now, here's something you have to think about. I want to make sure that his growth continues. Again, it's only 60 games, but is it beneficial to put him at Springfield in non-competitive games? Or do I bring him up and think about being competitive with this team and also put him in competitive games and continue his growth, start his clock? I was doing the numbers yesterday. Um, if you don't start the season with him, I think it's seven games. He would sit out, and then you start him on the eighth game, and you'd save a year, current CBA, start him on the eighth game, and then that would basically save you a year of service time, if my numbers are correct. So those are some of the things I'm going to get into with Derek Gould. As far as the runners starting at second base, I'm telling you, just watching games... I'm okay with it. I don't like it in postseason play because the drama and what's at stake is so high. But regular season play, how many guys go up <laughs> when you're watching a game in regular season play in the middle of July and the eighth place hitter who's got, you know, two home runs in the season is trying to knock one out of the park and there is no concept of trying to get on base. And some guy that is... Uh, on the mound, gives you four innings of scoreless baseball, and his reward is sent to Memphis. I mean, you know, start a guy at second base. Just try it. Why not? 60 games. We'll see if it stays. I'm okay with it. Plus, with the virus, you're trying to get guys out of the ballpark. So what? It's 60 games. Let it happen. No big deal. You all right with it, Colin? I'm absolutely fine with it. And I think about it this way. If you have to give credit to the NFL somewhere, they have done a great job in adapting and coming up with new rule changes. They're constantly looking at ways to change the game. I think that's somewhere where baseball can definitely make improvements. This year is a great start for them. All right. We're going to get into it uh, with Derek Gould. We've got plenty of time with him. We'll answer some more questions coming up later in the show. Scoops with Danny Mac, Thursday edition on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
Thursday edition, Scoops with Danny Mack, and we have the chance to visit with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We are wondering, would we be uh, reading game stories in 2020 from Derek Gould that did not pertain to spring training and who or who may not make the team? And uh, games of substance, games that meant something. Well, we have an answer, hopefully. And Derek Gould joins us on 101 ESPN. Derek, is always good to visit with you. How are things? Uh, good, Dan. Good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, look forward to uh, talking a little baseball with you. Um, hopefully we can get to a point, too, where we can actually you know, see each other at somewhat of a distance at a ballpark. What do you think? Do you think this thing's going to work? I think it's uh, it's a tremendous undertaking by Major League Baseball. I think what they're trying to do is, uh, is going to be a remarkable test, um, but also a remarkable example for other industries and other entities and other, like, you know, I guess social touchstones that we have, um, you know, they are putting a lot of faith and demands on the discipline of the players and the organization of the team. Um, can a, you know, beast the size of more than 700 plus players um, and 30 different organizations all follow the same guidelines to stay as healthy as possible. And when you have moments um, of positive tests, which a handful of teams already have had, how quickly do they move so that it doesn't, you know, um, basically bench an entire team and have the season come apart? So I think it's a, it's a remarkable feat. Um, if they pull it off, um, it'll be an example for other places, other businesses. You know, you can see how it would relate to schools as well. Um, so it's a it's a chance for baseball after all the acrimony and frustration to not only bring entertainment back to uh, to a to a community and to a society, but also maybe a little bit of a, of leadership back too. Is the question just how far will baseball bend with this? Because we know we're going to get tests. So my my question would be, uh, testing and positive test is what is what my point. But you know, mm-hmm. if you have a bunch on a team. You know, how far do you go to where the competition level is dipping into, well, you know, you're not really dealing with major league players out there. How far do we really want to go with that competition level of dealing with an independent player out there and all of a sudden there's three or four of them out there? Is that really worth it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question, but that speaks to how quickly teams have to move um, on testing, quarantine, isolating and then constant testing. So, like, for example, that's not where any teams want to get. They don't want to get where it's, you know, widespread in their clubhouse because they realize how fast that could go. So sure. it's early indicators. You know, it's lots of testing early on. And then it's anybody who's been in contact or has some concerning symptoms. It's up to them to isolate. And, and they're talking about the habits off the field, you know, away from the ballpark, on the road. Can you make good decisions? Um, you know, can you make even ultra conservative decisions as far as the actions you take pre preemptive um, because what you're talking about at that point in time, you know, what they, what, what they want teams to do is act fast. And then once the, somebody is in isolation test often so that they can return to play and not have it be, you know, the 14 days um, away and, and have it really kind of, uh, you know, cause the team to come apart. Um, you know, I, I don't think, and nobody wants the, the situation you described, not not because of the quality of play, but because of the quality of health that yeah. could imply that the, the clubhouse is going through. So, um, you know, it is the biggest question 
um, with baseball in regards to the virus is what happens if it does um, take out an entire team from competition. Do they move on? How do they do it? And, and no one wants to, everybody wants to do everything possible to avoid that. Um, and that includes putting protocols in place, but also creating habits outside the ballpark. Um, and this is where it's going to take a lot of discipline from the players that, uh, that limit that. Do you get the feeling, Derek, that uh, all players will report and will participate in this? Don't know yet. Um, that uh, I, you know, you hear things that some players are are still in the process of deciding. Um, as of let's see, um, as of Wednesday, um, the Cardinals have not heard from any players who don't plan on reporting. Um, they are going to set their sixty-man roster by Sunday at the latest. Um, so they'll know, they need to know in the coming days if somebody does not want to be a part of that. Can you describe how the 60-man, the 40-man, and subsequently the Springfield roster, all those things will work? Can you try to describe yes. that? And Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, our guest. So the 60-man roster is considered an organizational roster. These are the players that teams have to choose from for the entirety of the 60-game schedule. Um, you can move people in and out of that based on injury, based on long-term injury, etc. A player like John Brebbia, who had Tommy John surgery, is not going to count against the 60-organizational um, roster um, because he'll be placed on an injured list, um, though he will be on a 40-man roster when the season is over. So 60, all the players all pooled together, um, from that 60, there is the usual 40-man that everybody is accustomed to. That's the major league roster. Those are the players who are immediately eligible um, to move up to the active roster, which is the major league roster. Um, those would be players like, you know, Justin Williams, um, Austin Gomber, Daniel Ponce de Leon, players who, you know, either have been added to the 40-man in recent years or you've already seen in the majors. Um, and the way they would move from the 40 to the active roster is the same as it would be if they were in Memphis. They'd be promoted and they would be optioned out. Um, so you'd have, uh, you'd have 20 players beyond the 40 that would be considered taxi squad members. That's uh, kind of the slang term. Um, and they would be housed in Springfield. And then you would have an additional 10 players who would be optioned off the 40-man roster, um, you know, basically cut from spring training camp, just like uh, normal, um, and sent to Springfield. So you'd have 30 players there. And then every team will start this 60-game stretch with – a 30-man roster up from 26. Two weeks in 60-game schedule, that will be reduced to 28. Um, it's expected that it'll be pitchers that are that are cut from that roster, and then four weeks in, one month into the 60-day schedule, it will be reduced to the 26th, and that's how every team finish the season and go into the playoffs. As you can imagine, so many uh, fans are curious about Dylan Carlson. My understanding yep. would be that. If they wanted to manipulate service time, and this is for any top prospect, it would be about seven days into the season that if he didn't play, and then that eighth day, if I'm if my numbers are correct, if they started him, that would save a year of service time. Is that correct, or am I wrong on that? No, that's roughly that's roughly it. Yep, it's it's 
a portion. That's my understanding as well. Just that I asked around and that it's slightly less than 10. So, you know, you, you play one sixth of the season um, or slightly less than one sixth of the season. And then you, you hold on to a full um, another year of control. It's also another year of arbitration uh, according to the current rules, but rules change. Um, you know, and what the team has to weigh is normally that would be about 130 games, 120 games with a prospect um, in, a, in his rookie season. This time it's going to be, you know, 50. So what, what's the uh, what's the what's the balance there? I think, you know, judging from where the Cardinals are, they want to get Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas some playing time. Um, the 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 window to perform and is much shorter um, so the opportunity is going to be much, they're going to be much less patient with that group. Um, and they do not want Dylan Carlson to have a lost year. And the only place for Dylan Carlson to play baseball in competitive games is going to be in the majors, it appears. So they'll, they're going to likely move him up. You think so? You think he'll be part of the major league team? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it, it will be to start um, because that is a message that they have hammered over and over again going back to the offseason and because there's a real competitive advantage to losing that year um you know they 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 can always risk you know the the grievance filed later um which now there's a precedent set because bryant lost his with the cubs it's very difficult to prove manipulation probably even more so in a shortened season like this for sure but but, you know, also the, the Cardinals point that they've always made is that if they get to that point, then they've already done something wrong because they should have locked him up. They should have signed him. If, he, if he's a valuable player and he's performed well, then that is their model to at least make overtures to sign him long term. And they, they need to find a way to do that. So, um, you know, the moves of Dylan Carlson, I think it makes sense because they don't know what the CBA rules are. ahead. I, let me let me rephrase that. It makes sense from a business perspective. From a baseball perspective, it's really hard to see how the Cardinals could start a season and him not be one of their best 30 players. I think it's fascinating whether you're like Sandy. I've been saying this all month long and really since the uh, labor agreement uh, uh, was being discussed, if and when it came back, like you're Tampa Bay, you're the Cardinal, any team. But if you're rich in certain areas or you have a top prospect, you know, how you view whether it was going to be 48, 52, 70 games, 60, you know, what is a season? What is a championship season in the eye of the beholder? Uh, what do you view as a competitive championship season? And is it worth bringing up these players? I, I find that fascinating. And then is development of those players, um, you don't want to stunt their growth. And as you mentioned, the competitive spirit of this, of, of number one being just, you know, trying to compete. But then also you don't want to stunt the growth of the player. So right. the only competitive, real competitive nature of the team and then trying to make sure you don't stunt the growth is playing in major league games. That's the only games you're going to play in. So it's really interesting how you balance the two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it, I think you're going to see teams go different ways. I mean, I think there are going to be teams that are, you know, with a poker term would be pot committed to the season, the Dodgers, right? Um, For the, sure. Listen to the comments from Jim Crane. Um, you know, they have they have a free agent by the name of George Springer coming up at the end of this year. 
teams. I don't really think Houston is, I mean, they might get them on a one-year deal because some of these top free agents realize that the market ain't going to be great. So might as well kick the, uh, kick their free agency back one year, but, uh, but I don't see them rushing to sign George Springer at this point. Um, so this might be their last hurrah with that core group. Um, then you have a team like the Padres, right? Um, the Padres have a lot of young talent that is on the verge or Toronto for that matter. Yeah. That is, they're on the verge of the majors, right? They're not established in the majors. Um, some of them don't have to be on the 40 man roster. So they're not even, you know, really in sight of the majors for what would have been a normal season. However, if the Padres go, well, it's 60 games, the team that gets hottest wins. Um, let's pick our 30 best players and see what happens. They would be a fascinating team. Um, you know, and then on the other side of that is Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have a farm system like that. Um, doesn't have, you know, the, the, the really raging prospects group coming up. So, you know, do they look at this 60 games and go, well, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, but maybe this isn't the this isn't the time to 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 really try to go all out to win um, you know a less than half season and maybe it's just time to to get some games in get some play and get ready for next year which they hope will be a full season. I mean I think it's I think it's really fascinating. Um, the Cardinals have I asked John Mozeliak this question yesterday, like as the Cardinals brand of winning championships altered because this season is altered and his answer was not a de- not a declarative no but it definitely implied no that they're out to win a championship um, and as long as there are games are played and a trophy at the end of it they try you know go after it so i think there will be some teams that say nope this is not a not a full season this is not worth our time um they if they start off slow, they will start to divest of high salaries quickly and save as much money as possible and uh, move on. I'll wrap it up with this, Derek. I think the Cardinals could have a tremendous advantage over other teams. Now, I think their offense <clears throat> is like we started at the beginning of the season. It's in question, but their pitching is so good mm-hmm. and so deep. Yep. They could go to a six-man rotation a couple of times through uh, and just roll arm after arm after arm at these teams that don't have that depth. That's why I think they're going to be one of the favorites to win this thing. Yeah, they could have a rotation and then a second rotation to come in for that rotation. Yeah. So you are talking about a very aggressive use of pitching while they have it. You know, when it gets down to that 20... Six-man roster, it gets a little trickier. Yeah, for sure. But it's still 13-13, and 13, and so you'll still be allowed to have your five-man rotation, and you could ostensibly have three additional starters or guys able to handle starters' loads, and then five relievers. So, you, I mean, you still have a way to really access the Cardinals' depth when you're talking about, you know, hey, this might be the day Adam Wainwright starts, comes out flipping curveballs, and, you know, he'll intend on throwing up six, seven innings. But say, you know, that's a that's a 2-0 game um, because they're not scoring all that much and they're, they're not yet proven that they're the odds they think they can be. Or say it's a 2-1 game. Well, you got in the fifth inning, you got Genesis Cabrera, who can come in. And Genesis Cumbrera can throw 98 for three innings. And then you go to your setup guy. Maybe that's Alex Reyes. Then you go to your closer, um, who could be Giovanni Gallegos or Jordan Hicks. Um, you know, and that's, that's not even to mention, like, you got Ryan Helsley as a bridge guy there or even as a possible closer. 
Um, you know, another day you have Miles Michaelis go six, then Austin Gomber go two, and you're just throwing different looks at them constantly. Yeah. And I think that that is a real benefit for this team. I will say one, just to kind of tie this all together, Dan, one of the litmus tests for the Cardinals will be when teams start to consider, and that this could start in the next week as they unfreeze rosters. When teams start saying, look, this is a high salary, if we can get out from underneath it for two months um, or if we can get out from underneath it for all of next year and two months, what the Cardinals do because you know they really no longer have to make choices based on how a guy feels. They don't have to look at a J.D. Martinez and go, where would we put him in the field? They don't have to look at a Nick Castellanos-type player and say, well, where would we put him in the field? They can look at their pocketbook and say, well, we're willing to spend. Let's go get a hitter to change the look of the lineup and just put him at DH. Yeah, and after next season, uh, they are wide open, by the way, financially. They, they've got two contracts, uh, Goldschmidt and... Michaelis, which is is reasonable, and DeYoung, that's reasonable too. I mean, they they could really come out of this thing looking good. Uh, very quickly, I, I I remiss if I didn't ask you this with um, Hicks being diabetic. Have you heard anything about uh, you know with a pre existing condition what he may do? He had again. This all changes, so I want to be careful in saying this. But as of last check. He and the Cardinals have talked, and he intends to play. Okay. Um, what What is an important part of this is as the Cardinals gather um, and start setting their parameters and their, in, their in-house policies for the team, right? Because, again, the players have a lot of control over this, um, and they, they've asked for it. They want to police themselves. Um, I, be, I, I get the sense that the Cardinals are going to ratchet theirs up a degree to Hicks's level so that they are preventative for him and ask everybody to say, look, this is our guy. This is your teammate for him. Let's, let's be as, as strict as possible. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, Derek, thanks so much. Can't wait to hey. uh, continue to read your coverage too. Hey, Dan, can I just add one quick thing you mentioned about sure. the, the payroll opening up a little bit? Yeah. Um, and then you ask about Hicks. Um, it's important to note that while the Cardinals don't have guaranteed money, um, they do have some young players who will be owed big money. For sure, for uh, sure. And and that money is going to change in the next CBA. If there's if this is any indication, Major League Baseball and the union, or Major League Baseball's union, want to make sure that players are paid better when they're younger and performing higher. And if there's going to be an Exhibit A of that, it's going to be Jack Flaherty. If there's going to be an Exhibit B of that, it could be Jordan Hicks. Good point. And yep. so the Cardinals are are expecting. That at that point in time, they're going to have to figure out, you know, a does Cold Wong come back? Another one, yeah. His salary look, and then the 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 raises, which could be substantial, which likely will be substantial for a Flaherty or Hicks. Yep, it's a good point, but uh, we all can dream, right? Yeah, I just I just <laughs> want to play my role. I I got a brand, and so I need to always, you know, you know bring that up at the end just to have people go, oh, sad trombone. I got you. Hey, man, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Dan. Look forward to talking with you and hopefully seeing you. Want to get your reaction to Derek Gould on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Also, 
uh, Rhino Shield mic drops as well. This is the Thursday edition. Hopefully you enjoyed that. That answered maybe some of the questions that you have as we go into uncharted waters of the 2020 season of uh, what will be, we hope, fingers crossed, a major league season in uh, in this uh upcoming baseball season at least we have baseball we're talking about what may happen on the field and that's a good thing you're listening to 101 espn more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn air comfort service text line rhino shield mic drop let's jump right into it and this is matthew on 101 yeah baseball's back great fowler on the bench carp on the bench Edmund at third, Carlson at left. Boom. Let's go get ourselves a championship. Interesting. I've been thinking about the lineup. I said I was going to look at a lineup. I think I have one. I've got Wong leading off. I've got Edmund at third base, Goldschmidt at uh, first base batting third. I have DeYoung as my cleanup. I got O'Neill in left. He'll get the first crack. I got Carpenter as the DH, then Molina. Fowler and Ryan Bate Aider in center. That's one through nine. That's at least initially. If you perform, you stay. If not, it's probably 10 games. And who knows? Maybe Carlson, as Derek said, if he makes the team and if he starts with the team, he's in right away. Right away. Got a lot of uh, text messages about Derek Gould, people uh, enjoying that visit. Danny Mac, how can you possibly say, quote, manipulate service time so casually? Come on, man. Well, how can I possibly say that? Because it's part of the game. I'm not the one that negotiated in 2016 for them to manipulate service time. The Players Association agreed to it. The owners took advantage of it. That's why it's a part of it. If you don't like it, then take it out. And they're going to try to make sure that doesn't happen going forward. That's how it happens. Don't take it out on me. Players should be upset that they agreed to that deal. And the owners took advantage of it. Danny Mack, 314, love the show. Do you think MLB would ever consider splitting 80-game season? Could expand the playoffs, maybe keep teams from tanking? I don't. Um, I think they'd love to get back to 162. Maybe take it down to 154 to expand the back end for playoffs. I could see that. Um, Definitely not splitting the seasons. I, I don't see that. I could see realignment geographically definitely see that i see expansion coming because that puts money right back into the pockets of the owners and then realignment so go to 32 teams realign um and then uh, all of a sudden those expansion fees put money into the pockets of the owners and if you have expansion in the postseason play as well that as we've found out and as we've learned i've known this but now i think more fans are finding out as they dug into the uh, economic situation of this that means a lot of money for the owners i could see that happening for sure definitely um you know you you think about the excitement of the sport too i think people would enjoy that I, i would love to see instead of 10 teams 16 teams i'm okay with that i i think a lot of people didn't like Initially, the traditionalists of the wild card, I think we all now have kind of grown to enjoy that. 
I think it's important. It's, I think it's good for the sport. Let's go to Joshua for a Rhino Shield mic drop. Other than the actual play on the field, there are two things that I'm pretty anxious to see. One is just how creative the broadcasting will be. And then two is Schulte's strategy. I mean, he's really under a microscope now. And as if baseball wasn't already a chess match, his every move will be amplified. Whoever wins manager of the year in 2020 is no doubt going to be deserving of it. Yeah, I agree. This is if, you know, people have asked me, what about the records like average and MVP and you know, is it legitimate? I could see that asterisk uh, by it. But to me, the manager, yeah, there's more pressure on him this year, maybe more than ever, because your moves are going to be magnified on a nightly basis. Every win is something like 2.7 wins in a season. So, yeah, there's more pressure on a manager for sure. In terms of the broadcast, probably work in progress. Um, they haven't asked me my input. I'm just going to show up and get behind the mic and see where it takes us. Um, per the agreement, I don't know about the enhancements. You know, there was a lot of talk about miking players. I think that's out the window now. We are hoping to be able to do that. I don't think we're going to be able to do that. I would have loved to have been able to do that, to put a microphone on Mike Schilt. Now I think that may be out the window. Would have been cool to do, you know, various things about being able to talk to a player during a broadcast. I also think about the safety and health of the players that we try to limit as much as we can do with that. Because you would have had somebody come in contact with a player to do that. Put the microphone on them. Um, put a headset on them. You know, those kind of things. Uh, 217, Danny Mac. This show's awesome. Love it. Uh, it's kept my uh, your voice, at least in the summer. Uh, I've been able to hear you, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Who's the breakout Cardinal pitcher and position player and why? Not named Carlson. Mine is O'Neal. I would agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, I think Tyler O'Neill, because he was not going to have to look over his shoulder, would have been my guy. They were going to give him a chance. And when I talked to the coaching staff, that has been a problem in, in previous years. He didn't have a shot. And as one coach told me, and it really took me by surprise, they said, he's a gold glover down in the minor leagues. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, he's a gold glover down in the minor leagues. And when he comes to the big leagues, he's thinking, not reacting. And there's a difference between the two. And if you didn't know it, in terms of, like, speed, he's like a top five or top seven guy in speed in that body in Major League Baseball. And we know he's one of the strongest guys. Uh, Reyes, this uh, texter says, is the one I'm thinking about pitching. My breakout guy this year, I'm going to go with two with pitching. I'm going to go with Austin Gomber being 1A and Ponce de Leon being 1B. Both were very good in spring. And unfortunately, we just don't know um, what was at their disposal during the quarantine. Like, you can get on a mound, you can throw, but there's only so much throwing you can do. And it's the live, to me, it's the live action that you get facing a hitter. You could stay in shape only so much, but I think you have to be able to throw to live batters. You can put a guy in the box, but there's only so much you can do. And I saw a couple of starts at Gomber that I was like, okay, if he's healthy, this is the guy. That hook is nasty. Nasty, Colin. And Ponce had some good outings, too. Now, he hit a wall a couple times because he was run out of gas, 
but when he wasn't out of gas, nasty. Gomber, really nasty. So I'm going to go Gomber just slightly ahead of Ponce. I'm going Gomber. So if I had to take a guy, Gomber's my breakout because he's healthy. Hey, uh, we have a ton of these. I should probably print these out and go back to them tomorrow. Maybe we can do that. Let's do it, Dan. And we got Collins cuts tomorrow, so some of the top interviews, we'll get into those and um, dive more into it. I appreciate it. Hey, again, this is your show. You make me think. I appreciate it so much. We do this every day at 10. We'll cross it over next with Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. I got to be honest. Um... We're actually getting text messages about what may happen in a game and a lineup. It's weird. It's actual sports. We had a heated debate yesterday over Dylan Carlson. It's weird. A heated debate over when they should play Dylan Carlson. Yeah, we did. We had a big debate. And, you know, BK basically said, it's time to throw him in the fire. If he's no good, then we know he's not the guy he's supposed <laughs> to be. That's not what I said. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> paraphrasing it a little bit, but... I was of the belief, the hockey guy in me, yeah. was like, look, this is the stakes are going to be high. This is a short season. going to be a lot of stress on the players that are actually in the lineup. Need to make sure we, we hold his hand a little bit here before we just let him off the leash and run. You know, like you don't want to just absolutely crush this guy with his first experience from Major League Baseball. It's only 60 games, though. I, I mean... Yeah, it, but they're it, important. Every game's going to mean something. Every it, game counts for almost three times yeah. as much as it typically would. How and, long did it take you to figure that one out? Uh, I, I read it in a story, so I'm going to confirm that. I right. think every I that win right. is worth 2.7. And um, I did the numbers last night, so it's service time. So mm. uh, if you held him out of the first, I believe, seven games... Then you played him in eight, you would save a year. I think that's right. I, it's right under 10 games. Well, you know more than I do, so I'll take your word for it, Dave. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, if he's not part of the, the team, then he goes to the Springfield you know, group, and you know they can do their drills and inter-squad, but that's not live action. No. And so it's not the same. So you bring him up now and let him play, and... He, he held his own fine in spring training against major league talent and some of the best pitchers and best players in the world. Um, again, I, I like I said to you guys, I think it all comes down to the the teams that say, is this a legitimate season? What do you value as a world championship here? Is this worth it? Uh, I think that's fascinating. And I also do think it's fascinating where teams are financially and what they do at a trade deadline with their players, and are they looking to add or dump? And that is going to be a sidebar of this season because it is coming. It, it's going to happen. And, Dan, just on your Dylan Carlson point to begin here, I I, I think that they were going to put him in AAA because they want him to get him every day at-bats. That's That was my read on the situation, at least, from the outside looking in, right? They wanted him to play every day, go down to AAA to start, yep. and you get him the at-bats down there. Well, if you're going to have him... With the Cardinals, I want him to get everyday at-bats. Because if that was yeah. the reasoning behind him going down to AAA, I want that to also be the case here. And so if you're going to have him starting the year here in St. Louis, he should be playing right away. And that's where I came from yesterday. And that's that's what I hope they do. I, I don't know how much confidence I have that they will do that, but that's what I would like to see from Dylan Carlson early in the season. I had Derek Gould on. He thinks he's going to be part of the club. So 
We'll see. Time will tell. But it's fascinating. It's fun. We can dive into it, and I'm sure you guys will. Who do you have uh, coming up on the Mark show? Mark Saxon coming up at 1130. We've got Joey Vitale, my favorite, the best in the business, coming up at 1230. And Jamie McLennan coming up at 1 o'clock. Oh, you got Jamie. Noodles is coming on today. He's going to give us a perspective from the Toronto area, and certainly he works with TSN up in Canada, so should be interesting. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.